This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Geology Flannelcast. This is Chris here. I don't like it. My I, name don't, is Steve. I, don't like, I don't like this either. Uh, this is begrudgingly Jesse. Well, you guys are all out of whack right now. Welcome to the Geology Flannelcast. Thank you, Chris, for starting us off begrudgingly. Ooh, wow. Right, we are. Ooh, stepping on some toes in here. Oh, my goodness. You, you come to expect a certain thing. Yeah, maybe it's good. Maybe change. Maybe just a habit, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. For our first like 40 episodes, we we didn't we had no format whatsoever. So, <laughs> um, welcome everyone. Thanks for stopping by for another fun and exciting episode of the Geology Flannelcast, the premier geology podcast out on the internet. Woo-hoo. Hope everyone's having a good day, good night. Everything's going great. Yeah, we got for me at least. Everything's great for Jesse. So that's all that matters. I'm telling you. Jesse is living, loving, loving, living. Uh, yeah. Some would say La Vida Loca. Ooh, the crazy life. I love it. <laughs> to, to, to keep the references topical. <laughs> and Ricky yeah. Martin from the late 90s. <laughs> living the Vida Loca. <laughs> so speaking of living the crazy life, what are we talking about today, Chris? Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, some hard times for life in general. Um, we're going to talk about the worst mass extinction event in Earth's history, the end Permian mass extinction event. Um, and I'll, well, I'll make a statement. <clears throat> it was the worst for most things on Earth. But uh, there are a few, a few things on Earth that, you know, it was an opportunity. Oh, okay. All right. Class half full, huh? Yeah, well, let's always. face it. We're we're here now because of it. Am yeah, I right? You know, but I mean, if you're a trilobite, this is kind of a sucky time. Yeah, I miss those trilobites. Personally. State fossil Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I always forget that. Which um shoot. Oh, fake ops. Fake that's ops. Fake ops. Yeah. Sounds like it should be like a not Michael Fake Crichton cop. novel. No, it sounds like it should be like a Tom Clancy novel or something. Fake ops. Yeah. Oh. Strike team fake ops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just a bunch of trilobites running around. Oh my God. That's literally my nightmare. <laughs> Just to like, just be in the ocean right. and have all these trilobites come running up or like, imagine like, just laying on the couch and a whole herd of, is that what you call them? A herd? A school? Oh, man. That's, that's a murder of trilobites. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. If you get, I mean, so trilobites are, are, are loosely similar to um, horseshoe crabs that are alive today, right? I yep. wonder if trilobites had blue blood. That's what I was just going to say. Oh, so, okay. So horseshoe crabs, yeah, we use their blue blood. It's it's actually it's got um it's got a property in it that that allow it it basically keeps certain medicines from 
degrading or, or I think it's got like an antibacterial or antimicrobial, some, some sort of property that allows, especially vaccines. And so some of the COVID vaccines uh, were using it as well. So it's like really important. I wonder if trilobites would have like super blue blood or something. Mm, maybe. So if, if I could go back in time, I, I would drink a trilobite is what I'm saying. I just assume that horseshoe crabs eat nothing but Smurfs, and that's where their blue blood comes from. But it's really, like it's really weird eat shrimp. Yeah, hmm. I could be wrong. I don't know. Well, let's uh, let's set the stage for the for this uh, mass extinction event, also known as the Great Dying. Which I just great. want to point out that we just jumped right into this. We did we've come along. We've come a long way. Yeah. Uh, we, well, I wouldn't say we jumped right into it, but. <laughs> Yeah, our, our, our Patreons who are listening for the last hour may may have questions uh, regarding that statement. <laughs> Maybe some but... <laughs> disagreement there. Uh, yeah, I guess we did just talk about uh, horseshoe crab and trilobite blood there for a minute, but hey, a quick minute. It was. So, uh, yeah, the end Permian. The, the, what did you call it? The Great Dying. The Great Dying. Um great name for a metal band if it hasn't already yeah. been taken but um if it hasn't already been taken you start a metal band called the great dying you can or have, a, have just be that. a little bit more subtle and have a metal band called the permian extinction Ooh, i want to say there is something out there that anyways i'm it's gonna bother yeah. me but uh, we'll, just, we'll just call it 252 oh that's how many millions of years ago this happened 252 million years ago uh 251.9 whatever but yeah yeah who's counting yeah <laughs> um it's whatever uh, <laughs> no i i it's funny i when i memorized my geologic time scale it was 252 but i just looked it up uh for our podcast names it's now 251.9 shucks for the end permian um, they're always calibrating those ages i'm telling you it looks like uh our good good friend of the show maddie gave us uh, a link just now there's a country singer known as the great dying it's not metal it's country ah uh, you <laughs> know that, works. I, that could that work works. absolutely that could work um how about that dude's from uh, mississippi um that's amazing Thank you, Maddie, for that. <laughs> All right. So would you say 251.9? Are you getting yes. over that? That's really what we're doing right now? <laughs> no, 252. <laughs> we'll say it. All right. So I was trying to, do you know the plus or minus on that? Uh, no. Yeah. It's, I, it's I, uh, so the Permian, <clears throat> they have it constrained. I don't know what they use to constrain. I, I assume... I should look into this. I shouldn't assume. But uh, 259.9 plus or minus 0.024. So it's a few decimal places there. That's that's an incredible. 0.024, yeah. That's incredible precision there. So they're they're saying they've got it plus or minus 24,000 years. Wow. It's from... 250 million years ago that's incredible that really and and that goes to show you that it really was a mass extinction event like 
stuff across the whole planet changed forever. Like there is no if, ands, or buts. There, there is no like, is this the, 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 you know, Calavonian to Oxfordian in in the Jurassic? No, this is like the, like, bees knees end all be all. Most uh, stuff on the planet died, and we know when it happened. Uh, yeah. just real, real fast, Jesse, what did you say that I got two dates of uh, of ash beds? from from this um uh, okay. extinction event i got uh 251.941 million years ago plus or minus 0. 0.037 okay so, that's pretty pretty close to what i had that's pretty close yeah and then another I have one point point two fifty one or 251.902 plus or minus 0. 0.024 okay so that's yeah it's really really close and i have another one here 251 points 251.880 plus or minus 0.031. So anyways, for 251 million years ago, that's incredible. Yeah. That, yeah. that so many people can, can, you know, agree on that sort of time frame. I, I mean, to, to, to have that. So the plus or minus, you know, just real quick, essentially means, you know, that, that's our range of error. So we think it happened 251 million years ago. And it was either <clears throat> 24,000 years before that or after that, like line that we draw, which is in- incredibly precise. I mean, there's more recent things that we don't have precision like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Within the past, you know, million years or two million years, you know, we don't, you know, well, our precision is pretty good with the past million years, but you know, past 10 million years, we don't have things with that precision. Yeah, but I guess you just have so many data points and so many different lines of evidence Yeah, I that the that's... overlap, you're able to narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down. You got a big, you got a, well, and part of it is you've got this global layer where everything is dying. And so globally, you know, you have all these different environments where we have this distinct layer that above it, you don't have life or you got very little evidence of life. And so it makes this extreme sort of datum, this layer. And in these different environments, there's different ways in which you can assign age or, or, or age date. And so like, yeah, like you were just saying, we have all these different ways to measure that age. And that's how we come up with some of this precision. Right. Um, I just just wanted to say that. Uh oh. You're both wrong. No, 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 no. You're talking just. I, I was just doing while you were talking about that. I wasn't listening to anything you were just saying. Oh, uh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. Yeah. Carry on. Of course. This is why I always say things, and Jesse goes, "I literally just said that 30 <laughs> seconds ago." It's because some like crunching numbers over here. Um. Okay. So it's off by uh, point zero. It's it's basically the the error for these is point zero two percent is what what the numbers would be off by. Like the error range is point zero two percent of two hundred fifty one so million years. Twenty five thousand years, like yeah. Jesse said. Oh, yeah. Seconds oh, yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was going for. The, I did the I did the calculations for twenty four thousand. You check the math there. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. It's always good to check the numbers. 
0.02% is insane yeah. for yeah. error. Like insanely good. Yeah, that's more than five sigma, right? That's I don't even know what sigma that is. It's, it's pretty freaking close. Five, five sigma know. is what? Nine, 99%? No, three sigmas. It's a, so six bell curve. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, I'm not a statistician either yeah. way. It's pretty apparently pretty. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't hear you chiming in, Chris. Anyway, yes. I don't know the answer. That's <laughs> uh, I thought three sigma was 95% percentile. I thought five, five sigma, sigma is 99.99994%. Oh, right. There you go. So what is three sigma then? 98. 98. All right. Yeah. Uh, 99.7. Then I apologize. I'm way off. Uh, so we're about what three sigma for this, which is yeah huge. three and a half. Three and a half is like ninety nine point nine eight. Yeah, so that'd be point zero two. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So okay, let's let's talk about the. Uh, so what? We're, what boring, we're boring our listeners with these, these numbers here. Yes, <laughs> we, we were on track, and we really nothing like statistics to really engage <laughs> listeners. All right. So basically, long story short, we got this thing nailed. All right. <laughs> Pretty much have it down to the date. <laughs> we should just call it. We'll just call it a, an episode. Well, that's when it happened. That's just <laughs> See you all next week. All right. So um, the thing that is accredited now to the Permian mass extinction event is insane volcanism. And we're talking like bananas well i'll throw some numbers out in a couple of minutes about how crazy the this 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 level of volcanism is but um it's it's it, there it's basically attributed to volcanism um in an area known as it's in russia and it's an area known as the siberian traps so this is just uh east of the ural mountains and uh just so you might have, we've talked about the term uh traps before uh we talked about the siberian traps uh, previously in episodes, I'm almost positive we, this has come up on, I forget if it was a podcast episode or Patreon extra or something, but we yeah. definitely talked about them before. I know we've also talked about the Deccan traps in India as well. Uh, yes. A fair amount when we talk about the, um, you know, the volcanic activity at the end of the Cretaceous period. But um, the word traps or trap, it's a, uh, it's a term. It means you have these basaltic rock beds that are stacked up on top of each other and it basically gives the impression it looks like stairs, and it comes from the Swedish word trappa. So that's the that's the origin of the word traps. But it's kind of the stack pattern of these of these lava. Yeah. Basically, it's just lava flows that are stacked. Yeah, on top successive of lava flows. Yeah, it looks like it looks like um, stairs. So, um, just real, real quick to sort of paint the picture here, <clears throat> Siberia. There's a fun fact that I just I love it. Found out now. Siberia today, if you picture a map of Russia, you know, Siberia is the, the northern part sort of, of, of Russia getting into Asia, the Asian part of Russia. Um, <clears throat> so you're getting up towards the Arctic Circle. Basically, 252 million years ago, paleogeography looked different, right? We had Gondwana. And so you had um, North America was right near the equator. Um, South America and Africa, North America are all connected. 
basically straddling the equator. South America and Africa are connected to Antarctica and India and Australia, which are down near the South Pole. Uh, By the way, listeners, if you are not watching our YouTube video, man, you should see Jesse's hand signals, but carry on. (laughs) Siberia in that whole story, paleogeography-wise, basically where it is today. Hmm. A little fun fact. You know, you have all these plates cruise around and whatnot. Siberia's like, I'm good. It's fine. Yeah. I kind of like it here. Yeah. Kind of like Australia's like, I'm I'm going to stay put. Well, I should say we should say though. I, I will. I will put a little asterisk next to what you said, Jesse. That's nope. in terms of latitude, not longitude, right? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. No yes. idea. Can you do paleo longitude? I don't mm. see how you could do that. I don't know. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> uh, unless you could track hotspots, but yeah. again, even yeah. that's only like the last. Yeah. What, I mean, sixty million yeah, years. Are, yeah. And longitude. Who cares? Yeah, longitude is set to a reference that we set as humans. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, La- latitude is how cold or how warm it is. Longitude doesn't make a difference because yeah. we're spinning. Yeah, la- latitude. Yeah, latitude is the angle from the center, uh, which uh, we can figure out from cool. magnetics, basically. Yeah. Just magnets. How uh, do they work? <laughs> we'll never on. Know. Um, so we had, <laughs> we had this giant hotspot underneath Siberia, 252 million years ago. And we're talking gargantuan hotspot, right? So hotspots, you know, we, we, how hot was it? Pretty, pretty hot. So what a hotspot is you have this, you have, it, it ultimately comes from, uh, you have this, this deep, I should say this really hot rock coming up from, it's like a pipeline from the, the earth's mantle. And this really hot rock is coming up. And then once it gets really close to the surface, then it melts. And then you get the, and you get the, the volcanism, just like you have in like Hawaii or Yellowstone or what else? The Galapagos or now, now based on geochemistry, do they know if this is from like deep mantle or they, they're just saying mantle there's, you know, I, I didn't, I saw some stuff about where the, the source of the magma plume, I did not look into that for this. Yeah. Episode. And I think that's a question today like we don't know exactly where the hotspots come from today like right. hawaii or iceland I, I know geochemically they're hawaii and iceland tend to have different geochemical signatures in their yeah. volcanic rocks than say regular ring of fire type volcanoes yeah they and tend I, to have I, different geochemical signatures meaning they're they're coming from something something deep they're they're assuming something deeper yeah they're say. hotter i mean because the rock you get from them too is it's much more mafic and you usually get like ultra mafics where you can have like pure olivines coming out right so like in hawaii or iceland you get like these dark sand beaches or even green yeah. sand beaches things yeah, like exactly. that exactly so that's kind of the geologic setting that we're dealing with here for these, uh, for the Siberian traps. We have these, these there's a giant hot spot. And when we're talking about, and, and it causes this volcanic activity in, in modern day, modern day Siberia. When we're talking about volcanic activity, in, in case you're, you're not aware, um, well, I guess just to give you some more background information. 
we're not talking about like explosive volcanoes like you'd see like Pinatube or or St. Helens or any of that stuff like that, like your typical volcano with like a beautiful cone and, and just, you know, exploding. We're talking about more of, of these just it's, it's almost like a lava, like a lava, lava seeps or lava fountains coming out. You see, like it almost like these like cracks in the ground where just lava is just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. So it'd be more you think of it more similar as, as some of the stuff uh, these we call like effusive eruptions where it's just lava there's not you're not seeing these these giant explosions you're just oh just, you're just like Bleh. yeah exactly <laughs> you see a lot in, in hawaii right hawaii you don't see the 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 explode for the most part the explosive um uh you know volcanic eruptions uh there's the mid-atlantic the, ridge the pacific ridge the pacific rise i should say like just yeah you know so the earth is basically splitting in two <laughs> rock is coming out yeah and there's not to say like even even Hawaii starts acting up a little bit and gets a little you know a little more act you know a little more violent than 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 what we're used to seeing, and we do see that we, there's also ash beds that are associated with with these volcanoes, but for the most part, just kind of generally speaking, it, this thing's dominated by 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 these these flood basalts, where it's just it's tons like just such a crazy amount of lava coming out of the ground, right? And it's just stacking up lava flows on top of lava flows and just why we call them the traps right that stair staircase like shape um so these eruptions lasted a really long time so i guess to compare to like the eruption in hawaii that thing's been going off since i want to say 30 plus years is that does that sound about right for how long the the hawaiian uh, oh, it's, I mean, yeah. since the 80s, yeah. Since yeah, 80s, 83, yeah. 84. 83, I think. Yeah. All right, so we're, 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 we're close breaching to the 40-year mark. Cl- yeah, yeah. This thing went off for hundreds of thousands of years, if not a million years. <laughs> and, and not only a volcano, but like a series of volcanoes. Like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I said, there's not not to say that sometimes it was it was more active than others, and obviously there's just fluctuation with that. But but this thing was erupting for a really really long time. If you, I, I feel like if you want to get the most modern picture of it, you can look for um, either pictures or videos of the eruption on Jaime, which is the the island south of Iceland, the Westman Islands, where you had a fissure eruption. And so it created this curtain of lava that's just spraying. And it's, it's not, you know, that's not, it's like the Siberian traps would be that times maybe a million, but it gives you a picture of how the volcanism is maybe different than maybe what you're picturing a standard volcano. Well, I'm really happy you said that the Siberian traps are that times a million. That's what I'm here for. Because the Siberian traps are actually 1 million times greater than any volcano that the history of humans have ever seen. I nailed it. You nailed it. And you didn't even see that on the outline, <laughs> did you? <laughs> nope, I closed the outline. I'm just winging it. <laughs> uh, but that's a good question. I want to know uh, how many elephants is that? Oh, well, that's, Too that's many. great since you, uh, since you asked of this. Um, okay. So I was, let's get to that. How much, how much, what's the extent of the lava of the lava flow coverage from, from this, this, um, uh, super crazy hotspot. 
So the lava covered several million square miles in Siberia. <laughs> I just reopened the outline. I, I saw the just <laughs> yeah. I, um, so like you said, this happened a quarter of a billion years ago, and. Yeah, and the lava flow is still today covering about the, the, the very there's a couple of different variations depending on, on what publication you look at for the for the extent, the aerial extent of these of the Siberian traps, but it's about three million square miles. It's about the size of Western Europe or, or Australia, somewhere around like that ballpark. That's that's what we're looking at. That's how much lava flowed out that it would have covered Western Europe or Australia. That's a lot of lava, right, fellas? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> More than I've ever seen. Yeah. So the Siberian traps are about 8,000 feet thick. Holy cow. With 8,000 feet. Like 8,000 feet. Thick. Yeah. So with an, uh, it's covering several million square miles. That's 8,000 feet thick. It has a volume of about a million cubic miles. All right. And Break it down. Okay. How many elephants? All right. I did the calculations before the podcast started. This is 800 trillion elephants. <laughs> it's uh, like, I, I, I'll put it in a more reasonable number because you can't imagine what eight, 800 trillion elephants looks like. If you, if you built a little fence around Central Park, you know, you look at a, like a satellite image of Central Park. It's pretty big. And you poured all this lava. In. It would it would pile up until it reached the moon, and then back to Earth, and then back to the moon, and then back to Earth again. Wow! <laughs> moon, Earth, Moon, Earth. I I mean, roughly, two, I just did two that. round trips. Is that I what you're did, saying? Yeah. Basically, I I sort of just did that in my head, but yeah. And do do you know how I knew where we were talking about this? From our outline, uh, it's a pretty well done outline, but it, it, could it is a, it is it could a pretty better. it, it could, could have been better. been better. But I'm I'm going to use that on operator error for Chris Seminac, not our wonderful sponsor, which is the Formatic Formula, formaticformula.com or YouTube forward slash c forward slash Formatic Formula for all of your Word document formatting needs. Um, we. You know, we talk about them every week. We obviously use them every week. Uh, well, I should say they've taught us enough that we don't need to use them every week. Like that's how brilliant the formatting formula is. So uh, you can go to their YouTube channel and watch all their videos and figure out how to do stuff yourself, how to, you know, create a table of contents, create a header, create a footer, all that stuff. And or what I've done and several of us have done, you can say, Hey, I have this thesis, fick it, <laughs> you know, make it, make it work. Uh, and then, you know, true to form, your advisor is going to be like, I think you need one more figure right in the middle. And then you're going to be like, Oh, I have to redeem all these figures. No format. I for me, I can help you out and just be like, Nope, just add it in. Everything will readjust all by itself automatically. So they can do it all for you. Formattingformula.com for all of your Word document formatting needs. They can adjust, you know, your toolbars at the top. They can do, you know, pretty much anything that Word can offer. So check them out. But more than anything, 
make sure you tell them geology final cast in you. So formatting formula.com. Thank you very much, Steve. Another, uh, you know, an excellent commercial. I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, it was a commercial. <laughs> so uh, one other thing about this, uh, about the volume of the, the, uh, uh, the volume of, of lava that is associated with the Siberian traps. So I gave the conservative estimate of 1 million cubic miles. There is, oh, I got to do the conversions here, but there's, <laughs> there is one estimate that says this could even be as much as 16 million cubic kilometers. So uh, let's do that conversion real fast here. What do you think it's going to be? 1 million cubic miles to cubic kilometers. One quadrillion elephants. It's... Uh, cubic meters all right this is going to be a pain in the butt this is really bad podcasting right now it's a lot all right. <laughs> <laughs> um it's like an order at least an order of magnitude larger so um there's the point i'm trying to make is there's a lot of lava associated with this that is a uh, lot of lava this is yeah this is like the craziest the craziest and or elephants aren't as big as we thought so you know you took that two different ways <laughs> so okay like we said that um well so okay you get this all this volcanic activity happening right what's what's going on now let's paint the picture about what what's actually what this in the short term what this volcanic activity is doing all right so okay we already talked about the lava coming out okay everybody every fifth grader knows that lava is associated with volcanoes cool so al along with uh, the lava you're also getting ash that's coming out of this uh, heat and also some fun toxic gases as well. So what's going to happen is you're getting this ash that's coming out of the volcanoes, right? It goes up into the atmosphere and it spreads across the world. And one of the things that it starts to do, it starts to block out sunlight. Okay. And, and starts to hinder photosynthesis. So what we're doing is we're taking out the, the, you know, the foundation of the food chain now, you start to hinder the photosynthesis and the plants start having a really, really rough time, right? Plants start dying off, then the herbivores die off, and then your carnivores die off. And so you have this, um, uh, this, this chain reaction that way. Also, this ash, as it's up in the atmosphere, up in the high atmosphere, well, this is also, I should say, you're also going to be initially... This reminds me of the time that Jesse didn't go swimming for that whole summer. Oh, cold. <laughs> Too cold. <laughs> so 90, 93? Is that one? 92? Yeah, uh, I think it erupted in 92, so it would be the summer of 93. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but also, coincidentally, episode 93, we talk about Biff's oh. and how the banded iron formations, basically the, the chemistry of the ocean was changed by volcanics. But carry yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we're talking about the reference we're making is Mount Pinatubo. Yeah. Cooling off. And that's why we refer to summer of well, 93. Ice cold summer of 93. That's what people say. Yep, it is. Uh, I'm going to get a t-shirt made that says ice cold summer 93. <laughs> the, <laughs> the year without a summer uh, in parentheses swimming. Because <laughs> I, I didn't go swimming at all that summer because it was just a little too chilly. And um, I'm there for you, buddy. 
Yeah. Well, Jesse's brother <laughs> violently opposed violently opposes violently. this. This concept. Just angry listening to this. What episode did we have Ryan on and we had the great debate? <laughs> oh, is that, do you know, Steve? That was early on in the reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, okay. So, uh, the ash is mixing with water in the atmosphere. And then we get this cute little thing of like acid rain. Cool. So, and it just starts, um, really starts to decimate, um, life on earth so let's we're going to talk about um, for a brief second i'm going to talk about terrestrial life and, and kind of like the terrestrial scene and then we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about the marine realm and what was yeah. going on with that all right so this is this is pretty cool this is something that you don't normally think of but plants are really important in terms of stopping erosion right this is plants I, i'm glad you're bringing this up I was cool. just thinking about this. Yeah. <laughs> so plants anchor in sediment. This is why if you go to the beach, you always, you know, the, the townships will always, or at least the good ones will put uh, dune grass. On, calling you know? out some beach towns. Wow. I, well, I, I've seen it. Don't, don't, don't climb on the dunes. Yeah. Don't play yeah, on don't the climb dunes. Don't climb on the dunes. Yeah. So yeah. Fun, all right. Real fun side story right here. Sure. Uh, so my, my wife's grandparents, bought a beach house in like 1951 and it was just a essentially a, a cottage on the beach in ocean city new jersey and it was a thousand dollars and so they they were there for 30 thousand dollars for a beach house in 1951 yes. that's amazing o- off the <laughs> beach off the beach was 900 bucks but in 1950 it was you know that was a chunk of change yeah so um, they, it, so in the eighties, they built up the dunes because there were storms that were coming through and destroying houses. And my wife's grandmother would tell all the grandkids to go out there and pull out all the dune grass and push uh, the dunes down. <laughs> so, because they used to be able to see the ocean because they were right on the beach and now they can't see the ocean anymore because <laughs> that's amazing. Was- there was a. This is Needless a, to say, they stopped doing that because they kept getting a, in trouble. A Supreme Court case, like ten years ago, where there was a, a, a couple that, in one of the New Jersey beach towns, the township was like, "We're building a dune, so your house doesn't get destroyed during the next big storm," and they said it would ruin their view and their property values. Essentially, they lost. Because the dune also not only protects their house, it protects all, all the houses house. yeah. behind yeah, us <laughs> from from flooding and whatnot. Exactly. So but it ended up protecting the house during Hurricane Sandy. Nice. Mm. Yeah. By the way, Steve, uh, you think that they were great. You think they were grateful? They no. were not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Steve, by the way, that one thousand dollar house in nineteen fifty one. Yeah. Would be ten thousand five hundred dollars in twenty twenty one dollars. I will buy a ten thousand dollar house. Yes. On the <laughs> <laughs> I, Isn't that could crazy? I just go down to the Jersey Shore and be like, I would like one ten thousand dollar house, please? Yeah, yeah. Un- unfortunately, they they sold it when they the Megan's grandfather died for uh, slightly more two, than ten thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay. Uh, so where are we at? Uh, okay, so we got acid rain. Okay. Uh, the plants, the plants died off. Okay. So what, what, the one thing that we're saying is plants anchor in 
the sediment and it's, it, it's makes sediment stable. So you kill off the plants and then erosion starts kicking into overdrive and start to see in the geologic record, like right as these volcanoes are going off evidence of big rock, uh, landslides huh? because of all the vegetation dying off. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Some places you see these really like low energy environments and then right during the extinction event, you see boulders and stuff like that on top representing the landslides huh. that were occurring because there's no vegetation anchoring in the anchoring in the, uh, the landscape. And, and let's face it that, you know, for the last hundred million years, you started anchoring in the landscape. You know, you only had about a hundred million years of terrestrial plants at this yeah. point. Well, that's so, I yeah. When I talk about river forms, only a hundred million years, but yeah, like rivers before land plants evolved, like the whole landscape. If your rivers did not look like rivers look like they do today, because mm-hmm. all of the sediment on the surface was basically unconsolidated. There's nothing stabilizing it, so those rivers are all sort of just it's all just sheet flow or these braided systems yeah as i like to call it loosey-goosey yeah some places you get cohesion from mud and whatnot but for the most part so this is goosey loosey goosey one thing that you don't see in the period preceding the the permian in the triassic is you have no preservation of coal and one of the thoughts is not only do you get a lot of die off of, of these plants. Chris, did you have it at 36 minutes that we talk about coal or. <laughs> <laughs> but the, all of this plastic input, all of this sediment input is, is at the coast and, and where you're going to have these, these sort of coal or these peat swamps is going to be at or near, near in the, the coast in these transitional environments. And so if you're dumping all the sediment in, you're not allowing that, that, that plant material to, to just compress and build up. Just a little side mm-hmm. note. Well, actually, Jesse, we're going to get into peat in, in about three minutes. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hold your horses right there with the peat. All right. We're gonna, Pete's going to have a, have a stake in this, in this game right now. Uh, so all the stuff that we mentioned so far is more kind of like short-term effects. Let's move on to these long-term effects now. All right. So the one thing we didn't talk about these volcanic eruptions is carbon dioxide. This is going to be, this is going to be the humdinger right now. This is going to be like the, the nail in the coffin. Like this is just going to wreak havoc on earth. So especially for the marine realm. So with, when, you, when you have this much volcanism to this extent, you're going to release one metric crap ton of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. And so then what starts to happen is there's so much carbon dioxide that's released into the atmosphere. We get this runaway greenhouse effect. So we know carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas. And when you, the more carbon dioxide you get in the atmosphere, the warmer the climate gets. So temperatures start going up. Now, the 
the level of carbon dioxide has increased in the atmosphere and oceans by several fold, several times. Now, here's where uh, I wanted to get with the peat. The peat's coming back into the, into the picture here, Jesse. The lava flows of the Siberian traps float over these vast areas of accumulating peat. So it starts burning the peat. The lava, lava is really hot. It starts burning the peat and it's releasing methane into the atmosphere as well. So you're getting the carbon dioxide and methane going up into, into the atmosphere for the... Uh, for and to make this topical and relevant, this is a concern in present day Siberia as well, where yeah. just instead of a volcanism, we're, we're seeing a lot of, uh, with global warming, we're, we're seeing permafrost melting. And so the permafrost has a lot of this frozen and built up plant material peat. And the warming has caused the surface vegetation to dry out. And, and Siberia is seeing um, sort of record-setting wildfires currently. Mm. And so one of the concerns is all of this peat. It, the initial concern was that if this peat um, started melting, it would decompose, which produces methane. But now a more... Um, pressing concern is these wildfires are actually burning the peat, causing methane. All right. So, ah. Anyhow. So we're seeing it uh, in real time. Yeah. Great. Full circle, baby. <laughs> so going back 252 million years ago, now we're getting all of this carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Well, the oceans suck up a lot of carbon dioxide. And when that happens, you're going to, the oceans are become more acidic, right? So this is, and you can do this, this uh, simple experiment. It's not even an experiment, a simple thing at your home. If you just have, a, you get a glass of water and you get a straw and you just start, you know, blowing bubbles in, in the water you're, you're, you breathe out carbon dioxide, you're mixing carbon dioxide with water, you're creating carbonic acid. If you blow bubbles in the water for a couple of minutes, the water actually starts to become slightly acidic. Carbon dioxide, or, uh, excuse me, carbonic acid is a really weak acid, but nonetheless, it's acidic. And now the oceans start absorbing this carbon dioxide and absorbing it and absorbing it. So the more carbon dioxide you get in the oceans, the more acidic that ocean is becoming. And this is actually what we're seeing today as well. But this is called ocean acidification. You might've heard of this. And you know, this is, this is really bad news for, <laughs> for marine life. The marine life is uh, very sensitive to things like temperature and also pH. So we're dropping the pH now. Um, and then also, once you start absorbing more carbon dioxide, you start losing oxygen in the oceans, especially in, in the deep waters that aren't in direct contact with the atmosphere. So we got all this stuff going on. And so I'm kind of setting the stage for this. We're going to see this, how the mass extinction is really going to play out. And it's really going to just decimate the, the marine population. So fun little side note, there's a... Uh, 
the German uh, physiologist Hans Otto Portner, he has these three variables, which he calls the deadly trio in terms of these mass extinction events. And in each, each of these three variables can, can cause harm to life. But when all three of them are there, it's just this, uh, they just kind of, it's just like this multiplier effect. So we have global warming, ocean acidification and oxygen, oxygen depletion. And when that happens, it's just, you get all three of them combined. It's Lights like out. Bad news bears. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not great. And it's really not great if you're an animal that has a skeleton that's made of the mineral calcite. <laughs> right. So which at the time was a lot of animals, a lot of stuff. Had, yeah. Had hard parts that were made of calcite. So calcite does not like to hang out in acidic conditions. These just uh, these these organisms are basically building their their skeletal framework out of calcite. We're dropping the pH. We're making the oceans more acidic. That's not good if if your hard parts are made out of calcite. And just as a sidebar, if you're in ever in an intro to geology class and you have to identify is this calcite or not, you put acid on it. Mm-hmm. If you put acid on it and it bubbles up and disappears, you have calcite. So if in the ocean all of a sudden became that acid that you were dropping on it, you're stuff out of luck. Stuff. What do you mean there, Steve? Uh, <laughs> you're SOL. SOL. <laughs> okay. So, but so we got all this carbon dioxide in the oceans. But we're going to see, you know, even this is the worst mass extinction event that's ever that we know of that's that's hit Earth. But still, even during like the worst of the worst. Not everything dies. And to quote Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. I'm glad you did it because I was going to do it if you didn't. Life always finds a way, right? Life (laughs) finds a way. We should put that in the in the intro, little <laughs> intro montage. Take out Pierce Brosnan talking about the volcanic activities turning the lakes into acid. <laughs> Anyways, one of these days I'll spiff it up. Okay, so not all of your marine organisms, or just I, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna limit it to marine organisms. Not all of your organs are gonna respond to carbon dioxide the same way. Okay, and. So number one, the carbon dioxide effects are going to be, they're going to hit your animals that have skeletons that are made out of, out of calcite carbonate the hardest. Okay. Um, Also, not only do they have a, a, a calcite based skeleton, but they have a limited physiological capacity to modify fluids from which those skeletons are precipitated. So what the heck does that mean? Basically, they're not able to move stuff around inside their bodies. Yeah, they had they have one mechanism and one mechanism only. And then that's never good evolutionarily speaking. No. Yeah. It's like corals. Corals are screwed. All right. Corals are done. Like it's it's going to this thing is going to decimate the coral population. Now, so it takes out. It takes out a lot of uh, it takes out the entire coral population. Right. Yeah, so the, the, the corals we have today <clears throat> are not the corals that were alive back then. Mm-mm. There are two other types of corals that we had back then. 
that are no longer around today. So they were the main Rugos part. and tabula corals. Yep. Yeah. Rugos are called horn corals because they look like horns. They do. They almost look like cornucopias. Yeah. That's exactly. that's exactly that's the exact thing that I, I always think of when I when I see the, the Rugos corals. Yeah, and tabulae are um how do I how do I explain them? They're like little they're just little boxes stacked on top of you. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's almost like condominiums. <laughs> I was, I got, Rugos do look like cornucopias, but I always think of, they also sort of look like uh, the Ricola guy's horn. Ricola. <laughs> nice. I love it. So uh, just, we're dating ourselves with that reference, by the way. <laughs> I haven't seen a Ricola commercial in 20 years. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, However, they, if you need a, to, a Swiss no, lozenge, it? they're I terrific. always remember, I think they sponsored Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy. One of those two shows, hey, you'd always see the... If Free Cola wants to sponsor the Geology Flannel Cast, please reach out to us. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll, I, that's my go-to lozenge. So the... Don't give it away for free, Jesse. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so back to these these corals are kind of a, a fun note. The corals that we see today are not, they didn't actually, go, the, the corals are basically all died off from this Permian mass extinction. The corals that we see today that are they're around today, obviously we know that there's, there's coral around today. They actually evolved during the Triassic period after all this was over from sea anemones. What? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the corals evolved the second time. And that's the crazy thing too. When you get into this like paleobiology stuff, you see like evolution, certain traits are evolved. They, they, they happen. They evolve independently over and over and over again. Yeah. They're like, totally. forget you mother nature. I'm coming back. Yeah. I'm coming so back. What, yeah. what you're saying, the whole thesis here is that life finds a way. Life <laughs> finds <laughs> yes. Oh, Jeff Goldblum. Also, if you want to support the podcast, please. I love it. Send Jeff. us a line. Jeff Goldblum came on the podcast. Oh my god, we should reach that, out to him. It'd be amazing. I don't know be. how you reach out to Jeff Goldblum, but I don't know either. But like, I can't imagine he wouldn't be want to be on the Premier Geology podcast. Yeah. But you know. or really anybody that was in any of the Jurassic Park movies, I'll take Vince Vaughn. You know. <laughs> Was he in it? He's in the Vince second one. Vaughn? Vince Vaughn was in the Lost World. Oh, I'm I'm bad with the sequels. Yeah. Um, I'll even take Newman. Newman from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he has a name. Anyways, yeah, we'll probably have to know his name. Yeah. <laughs> to ask him. <laughs> um. So the other the other animals that were hit super hard from this uh, mass extinction or made were... super soft. <laughs> yeah. Right. Brachiopods. Brachiopods nearly lost yeah. all of their diversity during this mass extinction event. Brachiopods are everywhere. They were like, oh man, you look at, I mean, if you look at limestone formations from the Paleozoic era, chances are it's going to be loaded with brachiopods. They were just all over the earth, you know, almost how like clams are all over, like, you know, beaches on earth today um you know that's what brach brachypods were all over the place during the paleozoic and then we lost them we lost them they all, they all died off travel bites 
Well, trilobites, yeah, yeah. Trilobites, Gar- uh, eurypterids. Oh, God rest their soul. That's yeah. the state fossil in New York. Eurypterid. Yeah. I have eurypterid right behind me. Yeah, they're called. Uh, awesome, they're anyway. Oftentimes called sea scorpions. Talk about yeah, trilobites are. They would be creepy if you see them scurrying up on you. Trilobites are like the cockroach of the sea. Yeah, eurypterids. No, thank you. Yeah, eurypterids. Kind of imagine like a lobster, but with like a scorpion tail. Like yeah, it, it was but, terrifying. Like they're big and yeah, I, I think I told the story on the podcast before. One of my first geology trips ever. My my first geology trip ever. We were. It was a department trip. We were on our way up to Adirondack, New York. The uh, bus slash van I was in wanted to take a detour to look for eurypterid fossils. And I was like, whatever. Like, this is uh, Andy Anderson. So I'm walking around just like whacking hammer at stuff. And I was like, yeah, I think this is one. And he was so mad at me. He was like, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so it was my first eurypterid fossil found and uh it was the only one found that day <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah so moving on the animals that tended to fare better during this mass extinction event they had high metabolic rates they were exposed to high internal carbon dioxide basically uh they had gills or lungs they, they had you know, some type of gas exchange and also a well-developed circulatory system. That was, that was basically the key to, to surviving this mass extinction event. So things like, uh, like mollusks, fish, arthropods, they were pretty, they, were, they, they held up pretty well, obviously minus the trilobite. The trilobite did perished during this mass extinction event, but just generally speaking, generally speaking, those are the those that's what um, tended to, to fare better during this mass extinction event. And, and when we say fare better, we mean like, uh, like 95% of all life on the planet died. Well, 90, 90, <laughs> 90, 96% of all Marine species died. Sorry. 90% yes. of all species on, on earth died. So yeah, the terrestrial animals. Oh, that's tended, it. Oh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's off by 5%, right? <laughs> no, that's like imagine looking at your front door right now. All the trees, all the bushes, every all your plants, all your flowers, everything died, and then you have like a, a one foot square of grass made it. Like, yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, it's decimated. <laughs> Basically, all of ocean life collapsed. All right, we're talking total, near total. I shouldn't say total because it's never total, but a near total collapse of ocean life from this mass extinction event. Um, and a lot of it was the acidification. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So anyone who's listening, who has to take a paleontology exam or a paleontology test when all else fails and you don't know when X, Y, or Z, uh, life ended, just guess the end Permian because it's <laughs> a good chance you're correct. That's actually not bad advice. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, unless it's dinosaurs. Yeah, dinosaurs yeah. 66 million years ago. Everything yeah. else, 252 million years ago. <laughs> Statistically, he's not 
incorrect. No, it's not <laughs> right. bad advice. All right. So uh, the land animals, while, the, you know, obviously everything on earth was kind of hit hard from this, um, the land animals were not so much of, or they, they, they tended to fare a little better because they weren't affected by the ocean acidification or oxygen loss. And also terrestrial animals, they can tend to handle changes in temperature better than marine organisms. They're not as like finicky as, as some marine organisms. I mean, they already evolved to be on the land. They, they went from their nice cozy ocean life to this harsher environment of the land. So they were already, I don't know, more equipped for this temperature fluctuation and other fluctuation i guess yeah i just think it's um it, well it just seems like just kind of looking at this in general the animals in you know obviously a lot of stuff died but the animals that lived in the in the the marine animals you see the the more evolved animals tended to hang on like the mollusks and fish whereas um like you're some of your more advanced life whereas the simpler stuff See you later. I think that's, I think it comes down to, I think Jesse said it earlier. Um, just, uh, it, it, there was these animals, they weren't able, they didn't have like a, like a great circulatory system or they, they just kind of just sat there at the bottom of the ocean and were just kind of simple. And it's just like, well, you don't really have too much going on there. There's no backup plan, basically, you know, kind of simple. And that just it decimated those, those types of animals. Whereas I think the, the terrestrial life, evolved later it was a little more complex and seemed like it could uh roll uh, the punches a little better a little not, better a little better like you know i, I don't want to say like oh the, the land animals are fine not land animals jeez oh, it must have been crazy you lost you were losing vegetation the i mean the the food chain was collapsing right and and not only that like you if you lose let's say 94 percent of all the life in the ocean. How much of that was responsible for the oxygen in the atmosphere, which then affects everything that's terrestrial as well. So yeah. one of the, one of the interesting things, and there was a study in uh, the early two thousands about this, or I think that's when it came out was that with this extinction event, especially uh, early on, you know, if you have all this ash and it sort of dims <clears throat> uh, sunlight, and the planet starts fluctuating sort of wildly uh, in terms of its temperature, um, some of the land animals, especially mammals, which which are evolving at this time, it's thought this is when they start. Um, most of them, it's thought, you know, this is, it's, this is all sort of speculative too. You're, you're getting into the idea about trying to, you know, model some of this, but it's thought that a lot of them survived or, or developed as nocturnal um, um, organisms and they're eating sort of insects to survive. But it's thought that they're one of the adaptations that we start seeing is the development of fur and feathers on, on mammals and other organisms mm. um, and, and sort of higher me metabolic rates and, and whatnot. So it, you know, you see this development 
in organisms that we see in the modern. Um, this is when we think the onset was, which is sort of interesting, this event. And that's what you see with extinction events. It sort of kickstarts organisms to- Trims the fat. To adapt, say. yeah, to adapt. So, so are you saying my, my hairy body is evolutionarily superior to everyone else's and I'm adapted to extinction events? Because I'm okay with that. Yeah, you're you're a direct. Your body is a direct result of the Permian extinction. That's <laughs> what. That is what not. That is not not true. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm adapted to live through an extinction event. Uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely uh, uh, bulking up for famine resistance. So <laughs> I do. I do sort of want to come back to this at the end. It's a fun topic here. Do, do you want to keep going on about? Uh, do you have other things to say about animals here? Just uh, the last point I just want to make is that it took life about 5 million years to really, to start to, rec- you know, to recover from this. Yeah. I've, I've seen upwards of 30 million too. Jeez. Yeah. Which is huge. Yeah. Insane. Uh, this was a, a big deal. I do want to mention that, you know, <clears throat> The Siberian traps would would be my bet if I was a gambling person, which I'm not, um, because I'm I'm saving my thousand dollars to buy that beach house someday. Uh, Ten thousand dollar beach house, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for waiting for just the right one, someone to put it on the market for ten thousand um, dollars. You know, people have have speculated about other causes, and the go-to with extinctions is always impacts because that's the one we see at the KT. And it's sort of the, the one where we have a definitive sort of link, you know, there are people who would argue that, but you can argue things and be wrong all the time. It doesn't matter. Um, There was definitely uh, some causation there where big rock hit earth. Lots of things died. There's other things going on, but it was, the big rock really did it. Yeah. Uh, so whenever we have these extinction events, the first thing folks want to do is, is look for impact events. And the thing with the Permian is we don't really have, there's, there's two speculative cases. There's off the uh, northwest uh, coast of, of Australia. There's this place called uh, Vidu, where you have this anomaly that, that folks have speculated was an impact crater but basically all the rock in it is volcanic. You find no, no like debris that would have been kicked up. You basically find none of the, the telltale signs of an impact. It it dates right around 250. That's why people have looked at it, but it's, it's probably just volcanism. And more recently, like in the past four or five years, some folks have, have found uh, sort of geophysical evidence for an impact, uh, a structure um, on the Falkland Islands, so down off the coast of Argentina. Um, but again, it's, that's sort of a little speculative in that it's all geophysical based. There's no sort of actual physical evidence you don't find any ejecta or any debris. 
you don't find any metamorphic shocked quartz. Ah. If, if you listened last week. Um, and, and so it's, I don't know, to some extent, I think wishful thinking. Well, the other tricky thing about finding these impact craters and trying to uh, tie them to a mass extinction event is that if you have a big rock that hits the earth in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, you think we're going to find that? No, no. And th- nearly three quarters of the earth is covered in, in, in water. So yeah. that's the other thing too. You know, the, this impact, this impactor has to hit that 25% on land. Yeah. It's got to hit just the right spot. It's, and at least in order to find the crater, I mean, you, you might find evidence of a tsunami. Well, and, specific, or even, you know. even cause the effects. Like you got, it's got to hit sort of, the right place at the right time. It's the reason you have an you you hit off Chicxulub and you get a, 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 an extinction event sixty six million years ago, but you hit a rock say off the Chesapeake Bay thirty million years ago and there's no extinction. Event. Right. right. And so it it needs to be the specific rock hitting you. It needs to be the specific angle that it's hitting you. It needs to hit a specific place on the planet. Certain like type the, of seafloor. Yeah, they're just all all different kind of variables. So, uh, the the end Permian, yes, most of the evidence that we have to this date is those volcanic events. Essentially, it's a it, it's a crap ton of volcanics yeah. spewing into the air. That's going to change the planet. It's going to change the ocean chemistry, and it's going to kill everything and if it, if it happens over a 20,000 year period think about it over the 20,000 year period we've had uh, uh, relaxation of an ice age which has led rise to the modern human race so lots of stuff can happen in 20,000 years yeah it's a good point things are moving pretty Pretty hot and heavy the last couple of 20,000, last couple of 20, 20,000 years. Don't get me life, started. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't take time to stop and look around, you might miss it. <laughs> yes, that's what Ferris Bueller taught me. That's, he was talking about the Permian. <laughs> pretty sure. Yeah, that, right? That's what it's written about. So yeah. let's, I don't know if, if you have any other pressing things. I do want to say, in terms of these extinction events, if we think about like an impactor or these flood basalts, I don't even know what we, we should cover some of the other ones, I guess. Ocean overturning anoxia or something like that. Well, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we talked about like in BIFs, we talked about the, you know, oxidation event of the ocean. Yeah, kind of thing. Which, but which one? If you had to pick one to be around during, which would you go for? What? Which one? Which one do you think you could survive? None of them. I'm I'm worried about the one we're in now. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, which one? Which one would I like to see? Like in a bubble floating in space outside of it. Hmm. I mean, if I was in a bubble outside of it, I mean, I'd want to see that 
the seven mile asteroid slam into the Yucatan yeah. Peninsula like that would be dope to see that happen. <laughs> but uh, if you're if you're you know boots on the ground, no, I don't want to be around for that one. It also depends where you're at too. That's what I, I was mean, just thinking. Like if that if the rock hits you right on the head, like okay, that's you're not going to feel any pain. That's immediate, you know. But if you're starving to death because the food chain has collapsed and you haven't seen daylight in you know a year and a half. Uh, it doesn't sound like much fun to me, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Like, and Ordovician, and Silurian, and Devonian. And Ordovician was, well, that's, it's got really cold. Uh, and and not, not to belittle your favorite time period, but what made the end Carboniferous? Jesse, like, it was was that just uh was that just an ice age? It, it, and that's what I'm not sure. Like I know we went from swampy to non swampy. That's that. I mean, off the top of my so, head, it sounds oh like that makes sense. Tried crack. Um, I mean, yeah. So Ordovician, Devonian, Ordovician, and Devonian, Permian. Yeah, they're speculative in that you have. I mean, you have some sort of line between Carboniferous slash, you know, Mississippi yeah, and Pennsylvania. The, they call it the, the rainforest collapse. Yeah, the, you get you get it's climate based. I want to say. Yeah. It's, okay. have, so is that tectonic? Like just the the, the continents the, are moving out of their normal realm? Yeah. Which one? Which one were with everything? Basically, you start docking on the South Pole. I guess it would be or Devonian. Devonian's actually, there's two small extinctions that we lump together. There's the Franian and the Femenian. Yes, that's at 372.2. Yeah, before you get in, and then you go into the Carboniferous. Yes. Ah, so, all right, good question. I'm going to go with... <laughs> I don't know. How do you the, want to die, Steve? The, the pe- <laughs> PETM, the Paleocene Eocene Thermal Maximum. Oh no, um, well, no! You uh, you want to overheat? I'd rather. I think I'd rather be cold. All right. So you want some sort of? I'll go Devonian. I'll yeah, just cool cri- me off. Cryogenian. All right. <laughs> well, I don't want to. I don't want to snowball Earth. I right. think I think How I about you, the, Chris. I think I'd just go chicks to loop. Just rock and roll, baby. Here we go. Just because it'd be over fast. Like the, it's it wasn't well, I mean relatively fast, you know. It wasn't like we had volcanism for hundreds of <clears throat> hundreds of thousands of years, mil, you know, a million years or something like that. Is this you're gonna like, be like in the movie Deep Impact where the guy stands on the beach as the tsunami comes in? Yeah, it's yeah. just like all right, this is it. It always bothered me because yeah, they knew ahead of time they could have gotten yeah. up uphill just like Shia LaBeouf. No, it wasn't Shia. It was uh, it was Frodo. Oh, it was Frodo. Sorry, yes, um, you're right. What's his name? Uh, just call him Frodo. <laughs> I'm sure. What is just, his name? Just like, oh my god, there's people listening. Just like right Newman, now like, who is uh, Elijah Wood, Wayne Knight, Elijah Wood. Thank you, Elijah Wood. Newman, Dwayne Knight. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So we're doing great here with our. 
Yeah. So Elijah Wood or Wayne Knight, if you ever want to be on the podcast, <laughs> we now know your names. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So and uh, Permian, no bueno. Nope. Yeah. No, it sounds bad. It was bad. It, it really it killed was. everything. And you know, part of it I think was, you know, you go into the you you look at sort of the time scale here and this is you know you think about what came before it um so you have the carboniferous and the carboniferous is this time of like it's just sort of a greenhouse world you do go into an ice age at the end of it and that's what defines the distinction between the carboniferous and the permian but regardless, you don't have a big extinction event there. Sort of things, the rainforest collapse and whatnot, but <clears throat> you have this period from the Devonian, which is 360 until the end Permian at 252. You have like 100 million years of, uh, to some extent, thing, things being all right. Things, things, things are sort of cooking along. The Permian begins at two two ninety nine. What's that? Two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Well, sorry, you were way off. I'm sorry. Two ninety eight point nine. Plus or minus point one. Uh, <laughs> sorry. So you have like fifty you million for years. accuracy here at the geology flannel cast, ladies and gentlemen. So from the last extinction, you have a hundred million years, and from the last major sort of climactic event you have 50 million years and so you have this life that had adapted from the last extinction and had just sort of everything had sort of found its its niche and then you have this huge event which just really alters say the ocean chemistry and and the atmosphere and whatnot and all of these organisms that have become so well adapted to their niche just they die. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's just environmental changes. You know, it's if just, that's, that's it, that's the kicker. It just Mother nature off. just changed rules. Like, sorry. Yeah, exactly. You just, yeah, ex- exactly. It's like, you get a software update for the earth, you know, because hardware update. And it is like, Oh my God, I can't move on from windows 98. This is, <laughs> this is it. You're this always is, you know. ranting to us about, uh, sorry, you, earth. You we no longer uh, support flash. You're well, dead. that's what it's just like, you know, your, your iPhone, you can't get the, the new upgrades. And so what do you do? You just throw out your iPhone and that can be a new one. You know? Yeah. If I can't have windows 98 and play Minesweeper and ski free, I don't want any part of it. Ski free. What is, is ski good. free? Oh, it's a, oh, it's a good one. I knew Minesweeper. It was like on the, it, it might've been on windows Wait, 95. Ski actually. freak, right? Ski freak. Free ski, free ski, free ski, free. Were you actually yeah. skiing? What, what was it? It's a little game. You could go down the hill, and if you don't go fast enough, the, the yeah, snowman some, monster eats. Yeah, it. the yeti would come out. Yeah. Oh, here it is. I'll send you a link. You can play it on your own time. This is going to ruin my day tomorrow. <laughs> it was oh, 1993. It came out. It was on Windows three. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Well. Uh, I just want to say, uh, so if you're interested in this topic, well, the reason that we picked this topic today is because I got two awesome books. I just want to give some shout outs to 
to the authors of these books here. Uh, I took a little trip to Barnes and Noble this week, but uh, first uh, is we got, uh, so this is the kind of like our references for the episode today. Uh, I got some information about this from uh, a book called A Brief History of Earth, Four Billion Years in Eight Chapters. Um, actually, I don't think the last part's part of the title, but it's by uh, Andrew Null. And then, uh, so that's a, that's a great kind of like a quick, quick read. And then the other one, I'm still chugging on this one, but both books, like I said, talked about the, uh, and, and, um, and Permian extinction, uh, you have the rise and fall of the dinosaurs, a new history of their lost world by, oh. uh, have you read this one? Yeah. Who wrote that one? Uh, Steve Brissette. Yeah. I just got one on dinosaur. I didn't read it yet. It's, it's going as there's the. Yeah, and that's not the one I got. Oh, oh wait, no, I got that one on my list. It, it's good. I'm, I'm a couple chapters in, and it's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. So just uh, some shout outs to those books if you're interested. There, yeah, there there is a good book about mass extinctions that I read last year. Oh, send that my way. Let me know about that one. Yeah, it's by um. It's called The Ends of the World by Peter uh, Brannon. Yeah, I can send that to you. Got that one. Yeah, I'll have to, have to pick that up for the next book to check out. Yeah, we get a lot of, uh, not, oh, once in a while, people people email us about, you got any good geology books? What are, you guys, what are you guys reading right now? So there's two of them that I just picked up this week and pretty good. I like it a lot. So anyways, uh, that's all we got for today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you had a fun time listening to this. I hope you learned a couple of things. And uh, was this, this was episode 104, 104 episodes in. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know how to end it because you threw a wild card on how to start it. So, yeah, I'm going to say take care. Bye. You're still upset about this. <laughs> Thanks for stopping. <laughs> Bye. Good. And uh, yeah. just like a mass extinction event, ours, our last uh, this. <laughs> podcast is just going up in flames right now so i, I want to let's just uh let's make it like an impact event and end it very abruptly <laughs> three two one boom <laughs> we're I'll, done I'll, i don't so i press stop right now i'll edit out right as jesse <laughs> says abruptly just pff, done no thank you everybody for listening thank you for the uh formatic formula for sponsoring us thank you to all of our patreons we're listening now and sending awesome comments in our uh, chat box as well. Uh, and don't forget, it's uh, a, a, a cost your neighbor August. I don't know. Nope. Nope. Let's not advocate for costing. <laughs> no. Uh, what, what was it? Uh, um, acrimonious neighbors August. Uh, I don't know. A boot. Let's talk about our neighbors. Tell this about your neighbor. I don't know. I got nothing. Uh, Once again, tell your aunt August. Tell your aunt August. Just like a mass extinction event, I can feel all the oxygen being sucked out right now. (laughs) Podcast. Yes. But thanks for offering the suggestion, Chris. (laughs) End it. Stop. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, my my work here is done. <laughs> <laughs>